Practical Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Ted, and today on the pod, my co-host Cody and I are super pumped to be talking with Matt Cooper, a USA weightlifting national level coach. Coach Cooper is also the head coach of the Pursuit Weightlifting team, where he has coached 13 national qualifiers, resulting in six top 10 finishes, two national bronze medals, and two national silver medals. We chat about the how and the why behind training and coaching some of the best weightlifters in the country, while at the same time coaching the person who is maybe just getting into Olympic-style weightlifting. Before we get into the interview, we have a Theodore Roosevelt quote as part of our warm-up waves. Far and away, the best prize that life offers is the chance to work hard at work worth doing. If you're at a conversation with someone and you walk away thinking, wow, you know, that person is doing with their life exactly what they're supposed to be doing with their life. Their work fits them. It's part of them. It's, it works for them. It's their identity. And, you know, we had a bit of that when we chatted with Coach Cooper. Um, his passion for what he does is only matched by his work ethic. And you'll hear that in the interview. So I don't have to say any more about that. But what I will say is that life can reward us if we let it. And look, maybe you're, you're thinking and you're listening to this. Well, shit, I don't really love my job that much. But, but listen, it's not, it just doesn't have to be your career. Maybe it's a hobby you're super excited about. Or if you're really lucky, it's a significant other or your kid or family that, that drives you. But it doesn't matter what it is. Out of all of those scenarios, they all take work. But if you find your passion for that work, for that hobby, for that significant other, remember far and away the best prize that life offers is the chance to work hard at work worth doing. One thing before we dive into our interview with Coach Cooper, a client spotlight and shout out to Practical Wellness client Liz. She's been working with Cody at Practical Wellness since 2018, um, I think August of 2018, and has a big birthday coming up this year. And with that, she still is chasing a pull-up and a deadlift goal. But uh, you know, Cody says that Liz is the type of person who always brings the energy, and he's impressed at how open she is to new challenges so good luck moving forward and thanks for letting us be a part of your fitness journey liz now on to the interview all right here we go we've got matt cooper from pursuit nutrition and training center in windsor colorado weightlifting coach strength coach uh coop what's up thanks for thanks for coming on yeah thanks for having me guys yeah um before we go any farther i actually i don't know if you really remember this and now that i'm kind of talking about this out loud I, I hope this is the right scenario there's like okay. a few years ago <laughs> there's a few years ago where uh i think on social media or something there was this thing going around and and people were sharing like albums that influenced them like musical albums that oh, influence a lot yeah. and i think you yeah, I shared that. and i didn't tell cody this until just now uh i think you shared two separate turnpike troubadour albums 
Oh I my did. gosh, my guy. Okay. <laughs> so so if there if Cody and I are like working out together, there's a good chance we're probably listening to Turnpike Troubadour. So you're already like we're like okay, cool. This we like All this. Right. Get him in the club. Get him in the club. <laughs> Isn't hey, it dude, funny? I, uh, Go ahead. I just went. I just went and saw them at uh, Red Rocks last summer or the summer before. Yeah, I think awesome. we were at that show. Cody came yeah, out to that yeah. show too. Yeah, Ted and I were there. Oh, nice. Yeah, All you right. know what's funny? Yeah, too, Randy Rogers my, Band. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. I really like Randy Rogers Band too. But yeah, Cody came out to Colorado for that. That was uh, my first. Was that my yeah? I think that was my first ever Red Rock show, and first maybe only. I don't think I yeah, that. mine too. I've only been to two Red Rock shows and two very different ones. So yeah, what was the other one? Two. The other one was Rob Zombie and Godsmack. Perfect. That's great, man. <laughs> That's good. That's awesome. I, um, yeah, I had tickets to go to their uh, Red Rock show like a year ago, year and a oh, half yeah. ago. Yeah, before they they had canceled mm-hmm. it when they kind of broke up or whatever yeah. ended up happening it's a shame not to bring down the vibes but yeah I yeah i think there. the lead singer had an alcohol problem right yeah that's what i heard i heard he was dealing with some issues yeah i don't i haven't heard anything since really but uh i mm-hmm. i think yeah i think we all hope they get back together isn't it funny how um like music you can immediately like if if you know a dude that likes like the same music as you you're kind of like cool that's all I need to know. Yeah. I'll, I yep. dig this guy, you know. Like, <laughs> you check if, we can listen, if we can listen to the same music together, that's good. What uh, what kind of music is often playing in the gym at Pursuit? Oh man, a little everything. bit of everything. Yeah. Um, a lot of, and I've never really been exposed to this before. Uh, Christian hip hop. Oh yeah, like Christian rap, and it sounds super hardcore. But then you mm-hmm. really start listening to lyrics. I'm like this guy's singing about how much he loves his wife. I'm not used to uh, yeah, you know, rap, <laughs> rap songs. You know, is it like Lecrae, um, I think, is so one? Oh, Something dude, like I, that? I have no idea. I've had like, yeah. clients and members um, in the past but, uh, that have introduced me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, it is interesting because you're, so, you're right. You're so used to that vibe just being mm-hmm. different than you're right. Like, yeah. But... Um, but yeah, no, I uh, I actually have listened to some some Christian rap too, just kind of like by chance, and you kind of get behind it because you're like, oh, you know, it's got a steady beat and it's uplifting, right. and yeah, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Yeah, but, um, so we got a lot of stuff with kids. Uh, we yeah. have a lot of kids classes and stuff going on, so we listen to a lot of that. Um, but then, like you know, there's uh, times like, especially you know, if it's just me and a few other guys in there, then it starts getting the slipknot and tupac and yeah all, yeah all for the, sure all the essentials <clears throat> i um uh, i think i even said on our last podcast like i have a little garage gym and oftentimes so i have two girls now coop if you don't know and and uh actually my my oldest daughter who just turned three she was six months old we took her to that uh turnpike troubadours concert she was six months old we had like the big like earmuffs <laughs> that were way too big for her head and she nice. slept the whole show. Like it was perfect. Wow. Like I, I was a little nervous, but my wife wanted to go, and I wanted her to go too. And we're like, we're just gonna make the most of it. If you know, Amy, my wife wasn't too stressed if she had to go to the car for half an hour or whatever. But it worked. We just sat and you know, sang our asses off, drank a bunch of beer, and watched Turnpike Troubadours. Yeah. It was great. But yeah. um, <clears throat> I, I totally lost my train of thought. I don't know where I was going with that. But um, yeah, good. but anyway. Uh, so obviously, um, 
weightlifting is kind of like your thing, right? And I, I, mm-hmm. uh, it's probably one of my favorite like disciplines if we're talking about disciplines and, and fitness too. And so, so that's why yeah. I wanted to have you on. Um, how did you originally like get in and fall in love with weightlifting? Oh, I think the same way a lot of people did, um, started off in CrossFit, um, which, you know, was a ton of fun for years, started competing in that, got my competitive juices flowing again. You know, that was probably around when I was 24, 23, when I found CrossFit and, you know, started doing that again. And, um, then just over time, uh, just really started gravitating, um, to the, uh, Olympic lifts and wanting to truly be stronger. And I felt, and don't get me wrong. I'm no, I'm by no means like a, uh, basher of CrossFit. I love CrossFit, but I wanted to narrow my focus. All right. I didn't, I didn't give a shit about doing toes to bar anymore. I hate toes to bar. Um, (laughs) and then, you know, like, um, and then like I'd show up and then the workout, I'm like, 300 i gotta do 300 double unders i don't give i don't care you know like (laughs) and so i'm trying to be a good jump roper um so i just it just evolved like that and then um uh you know i we talked about it before we started recording i started uh i'm a high school pe teacher at windsor high school and then i started a weightlifting program there um that went really well for a few years until it um unfortunately had to go away. But then, um, I found, or the owners of pursuit I'd known for a long time, Samson and Zach, and they had been asking me to come and uh, be a coach there. And it felt like the right time. And then, uh, the coaching, the high school team is kind of really what got me into coaching. I started having a lot of success with it. You know, we were, you know, won some national medals and stuff like that. And, uh, that's when I really, decided I want to truly pursue this and coach this and compete in this. And yeah, that's how it went. That's awesome. That's awesome. So were you, um, were you coaching, uh, you you did coach, uh, some CrossFit also before just weightlifting, correct or no? Yes, I was cool. Yeah. Coaching CrossFit for a long time. Yeah. We, you know, Cody and I are kind of, I think we all have very similar backgrounds actually. Now that we're talking about this, we, you know, I think I was Mm -hmm. right around 23, when I started doing CrossFit too, and and um, yes, twenty one probably. Yeah, Cody's a little younger, but uh, but uh, yeah, no. Anyway, I think uh, I was kind of the same way. You know, I I really really loved CrossFit, and I kind of enjoyed the constantly varied. You know, it's something different every day. It kind of reinvigorated my love for fitness in a way. But um, there's something about the discipline in weightlifting that I was attracted to immediately too. You know, like it's not just mm-hmm. I mean, you can, you can simplify it as much as you want to, but if you want to go the other route down the other side of the road, like you can really Mm -hmm. dive in, dive deep into like some really like technical elements of just what are really just kind of two, three lifts, you know, Mm -hmm. but there's so many things that go into it. Right. Um, maybe before we move on, you, you mentioned you had some, some athletes that you coached that, you know, did pretty well, won some medals and had some cool mm-hmm. accomplishments. You want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah. So while I was at the high school, um, uh, had a lot, had a lot of kids who I, I didn't expect to join weightlifting. Um, the way I envisioned it when I started, it was like, 
okay, a bunch of athletes are going to do this in their off season. It was never that. It was always the kids who were just team sports wasn't really their thing. Um, or they were doing team sports, but then really enjoyed, wow, just focusing on me and, you know, all that. And so um, that was surprising. And then the kids that, a couple kids that did really well, um, Dante Valdez. So he's a, and I still coach him. Um, he won um, a couple medals at junior nationals as a junior in high school. Um wow. And uh, um, did really well. And then he just won this past year at Junior Nationals, uh, won a couple more medals in the uh, 61 kilo category at that meet, uh, which was in California. He So he's a 61 kilo lifter, which is about 130 pounds, 129 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he clean and jerked was 131 kilos, which is like 289 pounds. Crazy. Uh, awesome. Take yeah, take home a medal there. So that was, um, so his his two um, meets that he medaled at, and then another girl, um, Mary Barris. She um, won two bronze medals at youth nationals uh, last summer in Anaheim. Uh, she she was funny because when I met her, first of all, she was so shy and so terrified of me. She would never look at me <laughs> or anything. And when I met her, because I coached her older brother as well, I coach him as a power lifter now. Um, okay. But when I met her, I was like, just kind of joking. I'm like, when are you going to you know, start doing weightlifting? She looked at me, she's like, oh, no way I'm doing that. <laughs> and then finally she came, she's like, all right, fine, I'll do weightlifting, but I'm never competing. And then she's gone on to be my most successful female lifter. And she's, That's awesome. you know, and she's, wow. she's little, she's, you know, like 97 pounds, but can back squat 230 and um she's just a little tank that's crazy do you notice a difference um you know between all right so two-part question right do you notice a difference between coaching men versus women and maybe we'll say also like girls and boys so like different age groups Mm -hmm. and then also like yeah um females i have noticed tend to love the process more. Yeah. Um, now there's certainly exceptions like for example, yeah, no, Don, yeah. Dante's, uh, an exception, very patient, mm-hmm. very detail oriented, which you have to be to be successful at this sport. Um, but you know, especially coming from a high school background, okay. It would be, you know, the girls wanting to do every little thing right. And then the boys wanting to be aggressive mm-hmm. and, you know, just wanted to come in, start want to want to start moving away to have to mm-hmm. rein him in, and it was sometimes you know the girls okay sometimes they're just a little too cautious and a little too detail oriented. I'm you know hey quit thinking so much and just be aggressive. <laughs> yeah. And then with the boys, sometimes I'm like hey you need to think a little bit and quit being so aggressive. And so when you can just kind of marry those two things together, um, know when it's time to be analytical and detail oriented, and when it's time to be like hey this is a sport. And it's time mm. to compete and it's time to go. Like, yeah. let's move some weight. Um, no, I, do you yeah, feel like, like that that process, that mentality of maybe being too timid or too aggressive, does that train out eventually or is it dependent on the athlete as well? Yeah, I think they eventually, it definitely trains out if they don't quit. You know, like um, 
I had so many boys um, when I was doing the high school program and actually even at Pursuit now, men coming in. Um, it's just not what they think it is. You know, when I, it, it, and it gets hard for men, you know, when I have, I have, you know, I have a handful of, I have three girls right now who are like 16, 17 years old who are just, they're, they're beasts, you know, uh, Mary mm -hmm. Ruby and Alar. Mm -hmm. And then you get a grown man coming in here and I'm, I'm, having him like no dude you're just moving an empty barbell and they look it's to their tough, yeah. left and there's you know some girl, little girl putting more weight over her head than he's ever touched i mean yeah. it's, it's it gets check. hard yeah exactly and so um you lose some guys um that way um but then the ones that are successful you they eventually like you said it gets they they learn that mentality of okay if I want to be good at this, I need to chill. I need yeah. to take a step back, you know, check my ego and work on the details. And then once you start getting in a rhythm, you know, Ted, you were talking about this before, it becomes so fun because there is so much to think about. And I'm still to this day changing little things in my technique and start positions and, you know, stuff like that. Um, it, it, it's just always, even even though it is only essentially two movements that you're competing in, there's just so many things that you can constantly work on that keep it interesting. I have a question in terms of, and so you're coaching master's athletes as well, right? Mm -hmm. When you say someone new comes in your door, whether it's, you know, youth athlete or master's, how do you approach, and, and they're fresh, right? Mm -hmm. We'll just say they <clears throat> haven't done this before, minimal experience. Do you approach... Mm -hmm they're you know coaching in a different way or is it pretty similar in terms of how, how are we starting this process yeah so i uh definitely have my way of teaching the snatch and clean and jerk um now i, I and when i say my way i start with a top-down approach so for example the snatch okay we're learning what it feels like to have a bar over your head in a wide grip that's where we're starting um, and then, you know, just start working my way down. And actually for weeks, they're not taking typically, um, not taking a snatch off the floor. We're just learning how to drive our feet through the floor at the top of the lift and catch in this very awkward position if you've never done it before. Um, but then it, every athlete's different. So there might be, you know, there might be some athletes where I'm ready, like, okay, you've, you've got this part down, let's move on to this or um, some, we might need to stay with the basics for a while. And my progression typically goes like this. Um, I have my beginner drills and on-ramp stuff on a whiteboard, um, in our training area that I'm like, Hey, you're going to go, I call it the snatch series, clean series, jerk series. I'm like, Hey, I want you to go to part B of the snatch series five times today or something like that. And I have it broken into sections to work on common issues I see with each lift. Um, so for example, if they struggle with the overhead position in a snatch, okay, that's going to be part A. Okay. You're going to work on part A of the snatch series for five rounds today. Then after that, um, I'm just simply, okay, come up with complexes and drills for that particular person to do. And with all my athletes, I have a Google doc. We have a shared Google doc where only me and that athlete have access to it. Every Sunday, I spend a few hours sitting down, distributing 
uh, programming for the week. Um, most athletes like that are getting ready for competition, their whole 12 week cycle is already done. You know, I make little changes here and there along the way. Um, but for the most part, the whole thing's done with an athlete like this, very new, um, that week I look at them like, okay. And I look at some of my notes I've made and like, okay, this person needs to work on this and that will dictate their training and what drills they're doing that week. Then the next phase is, okay, we now need to start getting you comfortable doing more weight. Um, so I have a, like, I have a master's athlete right now, actually in this phase, her name's Sonia and she's going to be awesome if she sticks with this. Yeah. Um, but essentially we have a, a sheet and we are now in week eight, we eat week eight. And, um, every four weeks I change up the drills and we're getting more sports specific as we go. Uh, mm -hmm. we're going into the last four weeks. And so it's going to be nothing but snatch singles, clean and jerk singles, back squats, and, you know, very specific, but mm -hmm. we've been every four weeks. She's, I've created a Google sheet where she enters her weights. And then, so like a three position snatch complex for 10 sets, each set, I want you to enter your weight and then it calculates the average. And then in week two, I'm saying, okay, um, you're now doing only eight sets of that. So the volume is less. So I want this number to exceed the previous week. I want your average to go up a little bit. And so then she can, and so we, it's just such a uh, developmentally appropriate way to apply a progressive overload. Just simply, hey, this is the average you did this week. Let's just up that average, even if it's by a fraction. Okay, mm -hmm. you're just slowly over time getting comfortable with doing these things with more weight. And now at the end of that, um, we'll eventually, she'll be ready to like, hey, let's see what you got. Let's do a one rep max on the snatch and clean and jerk. And then start doing some more traditional, you know, percentage based programming yep. from there. Um, I know I just rambled for like no, 20, actually, 20, 20 minutes, but. <laughs> Well, for, uh, yeah, for guys like Cody and I, that's actually really interesting. That's really, really cool. I think that that approach to introduce somebody where it's hard to, and we ran into this a lot, like, you know, when I was coaching CrossFit, somebody starts and we snatch and we squat and we do pull-ups and we do everything. And really, we only probably have an opportunity to work on a movement like the snatch in a CrossFit gym, in a CrossFit setting. Yeah. twice a month if you're lucky you know yeah, really exposure's really low exactly and so you know you might have somebody who who's been doing crossfit for six months but you add that up that means they've worked on snatch technique 12 times you know like yeah and, and spread out too like weeks apart for, mm -hmm, for yeah. sure and it's so hard to kind of assess with such a high skill level movement what kind of weight should be in their hands and i think the way you laid mm -hmm. that out like it's really interesting from my perspective to kind of see how you did that. And I think it's interesting too, what you said earlier. Um, you know, I think the two names that you mentioned who, who you've had the most success with, um, athletes and coaching, you also kind of said mm -hmm. they're the, the most disciplined and the most that are into kind of the details. And so I think mm -hmm. whether you're mowing lawns or lifting weights, like that's what it's all about, right? Is just paying attention right. to the, the small things and details. Um, so do you, um, do you often have like some athletes that come in and, and maybe they, uh, they need just a little bit more certain attention in different areas when we're talking about weightlifting? Do you, do, uh, do you do like certain accessory programs for somebody who maybe just needs to get through an injury or get through something else? Can you talk about that mm -hmm. a little bit? Yeah. So I'm, uh, we definitely do a lot of accessories and the mm -hmm. great thing about pursuit, uh, 
is we have access to every kind of piece of strength equipment you could think of. You know, we got, you know, reverse hypers, belt squat, um, you know, leg extension, leg curl, um, all the dumbbells, all the kettlebells, every kind of barbell you can think of. So my, my ability to apply some variants and accessories to a training program is, um, is great because it's such an awesome versatile facility. Um, so yes, I definitely, um, we do a lot of bodybuilding. Okay. You know, like I got, I can think of a handful of athletes off the top of my head where like, do we just need to kind of put some meat on these giant levers mm-hmm. you have, you know, yeah. and, um, uh, do a lot of that. And also, also I, I'm a big believer in that in injury prevention, Absolutely. you know, like, like we will, I will always do things like, you know, uh, unilateral work in the leg of Bulgarian split squats and, I love, you know, leg curls and leg extensions, just like, hey, let's just isolate the knee. Let's build up the musculature around the knee um, mm-hmm. and the shoulders. I love light, you know, lateral flies and reverse flies and just like, hey, let's just build and engage the musculature around your shoulder. Um, now, when it comes to injury, uh, I definitely, we have a PT that works out of uh, our gym. So I try to send my athletes to her because one thing I think a lot of coaches try to do too much is play doctor. And I'm, I tell my athletes, you know, I, I, I can help you out a little bit, but if you have something that just won't go away, I'm like, like, I'm not a doctor, man. You got to go see within your scope. Yeah, exactly. Um, cause I'm probably at this point going to do more harm than good. Cause I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but um, I always, what, I always think that when people uh, no, I just want to make kind of add on to your point. I always I like that. I like that. I like a coach, and I like people who are willing to admit, you know, maybe this isn't my expertise, right? Because I think mm-hmm. in a way it kind of validates everything that you had set up until that point. Like, hey, I'm Matt Cooper. Yeah. I know snatch. I know clean and jerk. Let's freaking go. I'll mm-hmm. help you with that. You have an yeah. injury. Well, here's what it might be, but we have access to a PT, so let's really figure out really what it is, so it's not a guessing mm-hmm. game. And I think that just yeah. continues to add value to kind of what you have. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, you know, give them, I tell them that I'm like, look, you and I could try and figure out, we could dick around with this for weeks or you can just make an appointment and then we can figure it out right away. You know? Right. So, um, but something I've used, um, recently in terms of coming back from injury is actually, um, velocity based training. Um, I, uh, actually recently just posted a video about it where I rambled for like 10 minutes. I didn't realize it was that long, but I posted it anyway. Um, but, um, so me, for example, I had a hernia the past, uh, last year. Um, and I had squat forever. Like it took forever to heal. It wasn't bad enough for surgery. Um, so they were just like, you just got to let it heal on your own. And it took forever. Um, so when I wanted to get back into competing and lifting and squatting again, I had nowhere to start. And so um, this past summer, one of my quarantine projects was reading about and studying uh, velocity-based training. I'd heard a lot about it. Uh, it sounded kind of gimmicky to me for a long time until I really got into it. And, you know, when you read books and different things regarding strength training in the fitness industry, you have some things you're like, okay, that was interesting. I mean, it's not, nothing life-changing. It, it didn't speak to me, you know, as interesting, but I don't foresee myself really going on my way to apply a lot of this or change how I do things. Mm-hmm. 
when I started reading about velocity-based training, it had this, this light bulb. I'm like, God, this makes so much sense to me. Can you give us an example and, just for people listening, what mm-hmm. that might be? So velocity-based training is I actually have sensors that I put on a barbell and it syncs to our phones and we can actually track the speed of the bar. And there's been a ton of research done that associates certain speeds with certain uh, percentages of your one rep max. So for the back squat, if you have 75% on the bar, you should be moving it between 0.5 meters per second and 0.75 meters per second. Um, things like that. And it makes you like when you first put that sensor on the bar, man, and we're all guilty of it, you know, let's say we have 60% back squats. Okay. We, we stand up with it. We're like, all right, mission accomplished. But if I say like, you're doing 60% and you should be able to move it this fast. And then that first rep you do, and you fell way below it. You're like, Oh shit, I have not been Mm -hmm. working very hard at all. My power output in my training has been garbage. No wasted reps, right? Right. So the, the intent of your training gets increased so much because you are just just really driving through this bar to get it moving as fast as you can. I've even started, I love using it with poles. So when you've done clean poles and snatch poles, right, it's probably my least favorite thing to do in weightlifting. It's boring. It's heavy. It's oh, exhausting. clean poles are awful. Yeah, dude, they suck. They're, I'm always they're like... Just, You'll do clean pulls at like 95% of your one at max. And you're like, first of all, how did I ever put, pick this up to my shoulders? <laughs> yeah. Right. And you're like, yeah. cause it's so heavy yeah. and it's so, but then, yeah, yeah. no, sorry. I like right. clean pulls. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. But <laughs> oh my God. It's right. my favorite thing. Like, yeah. you know, get my working sets of cleans in and then you finished with some heavy clean pulls. I'm like, all right, let's do it. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, what I've started doing with poles is we put the sensor on it and I don't give them any kind of target speed. You know, I turn it into uh, some great feedback I got from athletes. Like it makes it makes poles fun. Cause it's like a video game because all I simply tell them is like, Hey, beat your best score. Like, okay, you moved that one at 1.8 meters per second. Okay. That's, that's your top end. Now you better try and beat it. And it's, so it, once again, that intent, of what you're trying to do increases because we're all guilty of it. Just like with the squats, we have a 95% pull and we deadlift and then we do a little, little shrug at the top of it. And it's not that we're not doing what that exercise is designed to do, but if I give you attention, right. If I give you a number to compete with and a score to beat, all right, man, you're going to like, yeah, you're going to be moving that thing. You are going to be pulling the hell out of it. And lastly, what it does is it, um, gives you some technical feedback. So let's, let's stay with the pulse. Let's say you're playing around with a new start position. Um, and all of a sudden you sink your hips lower in the start position of a clean. And all of a sudden the speed of your poles is going way up. You've now gotten quantifiable feedback that that is a better start position because you are now able to more efficiently apply force and power into that bar. So little things like that, or, uh, you know, they got an early arm bend and then they see a huge drop in their speed. Like, oh, mm-hmm. because you bent your arms early, focus on keeping your arms straight and towing the bar. And then all of a sudden their speed jumps back up. And they're like, oh, okay. He's not just talking out his ass. It's moving faster. And on your device, you can see like the acceleration um, mm-hmm. phase within the lifts, correct? Yeah. So I can either track average velocity or peak velocity. So when it comes to ballistic movements like the poles and snatch and clean and jerk, 
um, I want to look at their peak velocity. With things like squats, I want to look at average. Because mm -hmm. then if we look at peak velocity in the back squat, okay, they can have a eight-second long back squat and stand up and go, Rip. Right, and there's you a know? peak. And, yeah, yeah, and just drive it up. And then it shows it as super fast, even though it's the slowest squat in history. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to look at average with movements <laughs> like squats or deadlifts or bench press, stuff like that. I played around with this a little myself, not not enough to really dive into it much. I used to have, um, I still do somewhere, um, something that you put on the collar. It, it functioned as a clip. Um, mm -hmm. I can't remember the brand. What do you guys use? So I found this company called Push. It's actually a Canadian company. Um, and uh, I just, I, I before I started buying, you know, this technology, I did a ton of research and read a lot of reviews and they came up, you know, um, very well uh, reviewed. Um, the price was very reasonable. And I actually, this summer, got to actually calibrate that with a $2,000 Tendo unit. Okay, so, you know, you got Tendo and Gym Aware, which are like the gold standard, where mm -hmm. they actually have the cables that attach to your bar. Um, so a little backstory to this, actually. Um, I went and spent a few days with, do you guys, are you guys familiar with Spencer Arnold? Um, I don't he's, think so. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, it's all right. He's the uh, head coach of Power and Grace Performance out in Georgia. Okay. And he, if they had the Olympics happen this year, I think he would have had three athletes in the Olympics. So he coaches wow. Harrison Morris. Yeah, like Harrison Morris. Harrison Morris, junior. Jordan De La Cruz. He, yeah, yeah um, Jordan De La Cruz, Morgan King. Um, yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. And then a bunch of other just absolute amazing athletes. Harrison Morris so I, is one of my favorite lifters, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, and he's yeah. a super nice dude. Cool. Um, yeah. But so when I see something like that, and the book I actually read on velocity-based training, he co-authored. And so I actually, this summer, I reached out to him, and I just said, hey, man, you're obviously doing something right. You're doing something awesome over there. Can I just come spend a few days, maybe pick your brain, take you out to dinner, kind of hang around the gym and watch he could not have been more accommodating, man. He let me into his home. I ate dinner with his family. Awesome. Um, we sat down and pulled up Harrison Morris's personal program on his flat screen, and he talked me through it. That's so um, cool. it was it was awesome. And um, then while I was at the gym, I took my my push sensor, and they have a I think they have Gym Aware there. And while Harrison Morris was doing some insane amount of weight on front squats, um, I asked him. I was like, hey. Harrison, can I hook a tent, hook this gym aware unit up to your bar as well as my push sensor and see the readings? Um, he was like, hell yeah, man. And he actually got super interested in it and was looking at the yeah. data I was writing. And so I was tracking the speeds and the difference. And it was a negligible difference between my $400 push sensor and the $2,000 <laughs> tendon that, that, unit. That had to make you feel um, pretty good. Yeah. So I, I, was, I felt very good about that purchase. And so I bought a few yeah. more. Um, Thank you. I have... I have a, I wrote a grant and got a bunch of those at the high school, um, and stuff. So, uh, yeah, so that's how I started getting into that. It's certainly not a, it's not the only thing that matters. Um, a lot of people have this misconception when you use velocity based training that every decision I make in regards to an athlete's training, I have some kind of dogmatic, um, adherence to velocity data. It's just not the case. It's part 
of what we do. Uh, but ultimately, you know, intuition, performance and things like that feel how things feel are ultimately what's going to drive our decisions. But it's definitely a data point um, that we use, a tool we use it helps create intent, um, like we discussed, and I found it to be very useful. Yeah, like you said, as a tool, and you said intuition, do you do a lot of intuitive training with your athletes based off of maybe their subjective feelings about whether, you know, even a specific lift or how they're feeling that day or maybe what you're seeing as well? Yeah, um, absolutely. And I, I try to I open up that line of communication all the time. And I got some athletes that are very good at it and some who like are afraid I'm going to think like <laughs> less of them or like, you know, think they're a wuss. Like if they tell mm -hmm. me like, you know, Hey, these uh, squats are making my knees feel like they're going to explode. You know, like, you know, that's, I need to know that, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I, but I have a few athletes like once again, you know, like Dante is very good at that. You know, Dante is not a whiner. Okay, so if he comes to me and he tells me, hey, man, this this doesn't feel right. I'm like me, but we'll get it out. Like, you know, like, let's let's find out what like what we can do different um, and things like that. So I definitely it's a big part of coaching because um, athletes got to take some um, of the responsibility in this, too. You know, you need to tell me, like, I'm making decisions based on what I think is best. But if I'm if I've programmed something for you um, that's just not working or I've assigned a certain percentage that's just making you fall to pieces during this complex, like I need to know. Right. Um, I have an athlete currently right now. He, uh, he's, he's having a ton of knee pain. Um, and he's, he's just telling me like my knees are just aching and he's a taller guy. So a lot of times you see a taller athlete with squatting, if it's a lot of volume that can really wear on them. But what's great about it is with the uh, training programs uh, designed in the way they track data. Okay. I track Olympic lifts, I track competition lifts, I should say competition lifts, poles, squats, and I track, okay, how much of their total volume is allocated to those movements. He came to me and was telling me all this. And then we sent him to that PTO discussing earlier. And just based on it, we just kind of, decided to like, I think I just have him squatting too much. And yeah. he came and told me this feedback. And so now because I do track his volume and how much is allocated to what, I now have a great set of data of six weeks that shows me like, okay, this amount of squatting, he does not respond well to. And so now I've just re redistributed that um, dat uh, volume, um, bumped his squats down, um, added some more powers into his um, snatch and cleans because mm -hmm. he actually needs to work on a full extension and pull anyway. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so tracking the data and then getting that athlete feedback um, is, a, I think, essential into building a successful athlete. Yeah, absolutely. There's, go ahead, Ted. Yeah, sorry. You just said, again, a couple of things that I just, I think bears repeating, like, you know, with your athlete Dante and other athletes, this tall athlete you're talking about, it's just communication, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. I think so many people right now, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, oh, Olympic weightlifting sounds pretty cool. Go Google it. And there's thousands of programs you can follow, right? Thousands. Mm -hmm. And they're, and you know what? You could probably find hundreds of them for free. But mm -hmm. if you want to get really good at it and you want to have an opportunity to have success at it, one, you need 
it needs to be from a trusted source with good communication mm-hmm. and there needs to be the equity too. Right. And so it sounds like you're putting a lot of, a lot of energy into one, the process, but two, also, you know, the, the individual, right. So not just the mm-hmm. process, but also the individual, their thought, their concerns and their goals too. So I, you know, yeah, I just wanted to give you props for that. Cause I know that when you're training a lot of athletes and you're, you're training a lot of athletes, but you're training them with kind of the same stuff, right? And, you know, we're snatching, we're cleaning, jerking, we're squatting, we're doing mm-hmm. whatever, we're pulling. Mm-hmm. And it can be, it's not a one size fit all yeah. very, you know, very often. So I just, no, I just wanted to make that point. Go ahead, Cody. No, I was just going to say it's, there's a large human element in coaching that we don't, well, at least new coaches probably don't realize. I know, I mean, Ted, you've been coaching how long now? Um, just 10 years. Yeah. Just right on 10 yeah, years. Yeah. I'm getting there too. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, Hey, they're all individuals, right? Regardless, it's the same goal, right? Whether that's a competitive athlete getting on the podium or hitting certain, you know, percentages on a given day, but there's a big human element and having a high quality coach that understands that and communicates, I think it's priceless. Yeah. It's, um, it's very easy, I think, sometimes to get, especially with all the resources on the internet and different mm-hmm. uh, books and things like that, to get too hung up on theory. Um, while there are definitely, you need to understand a lot of the principles to strength training, how you like adhere to those principles is going to look so different for everybody. You know, so my, my four main um, principles, when I design a program, I always run it through these four filters, okay? Progressive overload, variance, specificity, and fatigue management. Now, those four things, I think, you know, I don't think I'm going out on a limb when I say need to be present in every strength program. Yep. But now how I, how I accomplish those things is going to be different for every athlete. So you do have your specific things that should be present and your... Uh, you know, like, like for me, for example, all my athletes are going to snatch and clean and jerk. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, based on different accessories, complexes, uh, positional work, um, how, you know, like I was just talking about my athlete, how their volume is distributed. Okay. Does, you know, this athlete needs to squat more. Or this athlete need to focus more on competition lifts. So for example, I had this athlete, unfortunately he just moved away. Oh my God. So upset about it. <laughs> that's, that's tough as a coach. Yeah. Oh man, that's tough stupid, as a coach when yeah, somebody moves. Stupid life cause... and well-paying jobs. Yeah, exactly. but anyways, yeah. Um, <laughs> he. Uh, so this dude could squat a freaking house, right? He had like uh, I think he had a six hundred pound back squat in him, and he. Um, but yet, it's pretty good. Hip, yeah, <laughs> his him and I. <laughs> Him and I, like, so I have a 450-pound back squat. Yeah. Him and I could clean and jerk the same. Yeah. So what that tells me right there, you know, looking at the disparity between his clean and jerk and his back squat, like, okay, this guy just needs more practice mm-hmm. in the Olympic lifts. So for him, okay, his squat volume was low, very low, just enough to, you know, keep the strength that he had, but most of his work and allocate was allocated towards his Olympic list. Now, when it comes to his squatting, that's not to say we didn't try to get him stronger. Yes, we definitely, he definitely did improve his leg strength, but it was not, you know, he only has so much, 
so many physical resources to allocate to training. And I looked at that and said, he needs to allocate more of his resources to the, the competition list. Whereas I might have another athlete who just, I mean, they just need more leg strength. Okay. They're going to be higher volume of squatting. So uh, it's, but yeah, I, I just feel like if you find your guiding principles, like those four I just discussed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you, you say those one more time? You said specific, say it one more time for me because I can't say it. Progressive <laughs> yeah. overload, fatigue. Yeah. Yes. Uh, progressive overload, fatigue management, variance, and specificity. Cool. Do you think Would you say uh, fatigue management down. goes in the hats of like um, getting enough sleep, nutrition, hydration? Um, well, just general life stress management as well, I suppose. Yeah. And it, um, that's, that's where we get into the, um, the athlete needs to take part in this. You know, it's not just me like I've, and I'm going to try and not get heated here, but you know, when you have an <laughs> athlete, you know, I spend a lot of time making these programs, spending my Sunday mornings that I could be spending having coffee with my wife and, you know, stuff like that. I spend in front of a laptop putting together programs you know, to help these athletes. And when they show up to a training session and they tell me, oh, I slept two hours and I haven't eaten all day, it pisses me off because I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. Like, I just put so much time into this training this week and you can't even bother to function like a person. And it, yeah, so when it comes to, yeah, so sorry, the fatigue management, yes, that's the sleep and the eating. That, like, I'm sorry, you know, I can't help you with that. That's on you. You got to do that. I mean, obviously with nutrition and stuff, I can definitely guide you. Um, no, I think you're right. I had to kind of, it's funny, Cody, cause I was going to talk about that same thing. And Matt, you took mm-hmm. it the perfect direction. You know, it's like, and a lot of times I think you're not really asking them to like, mm-hmm. I mean, in some instances you are for right. That next level. But I think mm-hmm. what you're referring to right now, it's not like you're asking them to count calories, count macros, all that. It's just get enough mm-hmm. sleep and don't eat like an idiot. Right. Like yeah. that's just kind of what you're looking yeah. for. And, um, so I think what goes understated sometimes is how much effort and time people do put into these programs from the coaching aspect. Right. Yeah. So what, um, would you mind, I mean, you don't have to give us exact time stamps, but what does kind of a day in the life look like for coach Coop? Like a normal weekday? Yeah. Or yeah. No. A normal work day. Yeah. Oh, so typically in the mornings I have a, I have a few one-on-one clients. So I do uh, some one-on-one training with the Olympic lifts, uh, mostly uh, some masters lifters who are trying to learn. So it's just some instructional periods. Uh, Then I go teach uh, PE at the high school all day from, you know, like eight in the morning to four. Um, I teach primarily weights classes there. So I have my weights one, weights two, and I teach some your like general freshman PE. Um, then after that, I head right back to pursuit and I coach the weightlifting team from 4.30 to 6-ish, sometimes 6.30, depending on the volume that week. Um, and then I head home. It's a full so, day. Yeah. And I want to say this. Um, it's funny because the, the PE and the weights that resonated with me because that's when I first started to, that was my first introduction to weight training was mm-hmm. in high school. I got tired of swimming, um, for PE and I was like, I'm not doing that again. And one of the options was taking, um, you know, a weights class as an alternative. 
So that was my introduction to weight training, mm -hmm. you know, however long ago, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. So yeah. I just wanted to throw some props out to that. Cause I think that's an important thing to have at any high school. Yeah. It's, um, it, it, it's been a lot of fun designing that program, uh, for a class because it, it's different than coaching. Um, when I'm coaching, okay, these are people who want to be there and it's the best part of their day and yeah. they're paying a lot of money to do it. When you're teaching a high school weights class, I'd venture to say the vast majority <laughs> of them don't want to be in there. So that's, yeah. that's the hard, hard part. Um, but, um, I just got to talk about it real quick because I, I, I love the way the programs come together. So weights one and weights two at Windsor high school. So we got weights one, which is all learning how to function in a weight room. Okay. You're learning how to set your rack height and, yeah. you know, clips and how to load and unload a bar, which apparently is a very confusing <laughs> task. Um, especially the deadlift. Oh my God. Watching <laughs> the, watching the things they come up with to load and unload a deadlift bar. Is <laughs> but then, um, we learned four primary movements, back squat, bench press, overhead press, deadlift. Um, and they are tested and assessed on those via video analysis, in-person, cognitive exam. I mean, we do the whole thing. Then in weights two, we learn program design. So those four principles I just talked about, we spend all semester learning how to apply them in different ways. And then the difference between hypertrophy training and strength training. Um, and then their final assignment in that class um, I've actually built a very, um, I don't want to say dumbed down, but less complex uh, training template. So the same thing that tracks my data for my weightlifting athletes, I have found, I've built one that uh, tracks volume and intensity for these kids. And they simply plug in what exercise they want in the reps and weight. And I just tell them, okay, make an eight week program and it's going to graph and track your uh, volume and intensity for you. And then at the end of it, they write an analysis writing, how does your program adhere to progressive overload? How does it adhere to variance, specificity, and fatigue management? And they do a, a synopsis of their eight-week program based on all those things. And I always just tell them, like, guys, this is – I want you to be able to leave high school and actually be going to, able to go into a weight room with a coherent plan. I don't want anyone from Windsor High School to be that person that walks into a gym and kind of just wanders aimlessly, does a set here, does a set there, walks on the treadmill while drinking a Slurpee, and then goes home. <laughs> it's, um, so I'm pretty excited with how much the kids have actually taken to that. And they've, they're, them being able to explain to me, you know, these 15, 16, 17-year-old kids, you know, the concept of progressive overload in a hypertrophy program, like it's, pretty cool. That's amazing. And I, I actually teach what sounds like to be very similar classes. So I teach at the university, these physical mm -hmm. education classes, and I have a intro class that just started intro to weight training. And it's the same thing in terms of how do you set up a rack? You know, the only difference is you're teaching 20 year olds and he's yeah. teaching 14, 15 year olds. <laughs> but, but I'm, you know, I could, but these 20 year olds, like, they don't know either. So yeah, I'm happy yeah. to hear that. Hey, there's someone out there teaching them in high school before it's 
Because a lot of times these kids will come in and like, hey, like I have a messed up knee, you know, I've had back pain for two years and, you know, there's this whole thing and I'm like, or I played high school sports and I have, you know, I played football and I have, and this is a kid that I just read is, you know, his first assignments basically giving me their, their history and limitations and things like that. And, you know, a lot of half the time I'm like, man, like you already lived a rough life just because maybe um, we weren't as intentional with our movement as we could have been. Right. So I'm happy to hear that. It got me excited. Yeah. It's been fun. Yeah. And you know, I, I remember too, when I first started programming and writing workouts, whether it be for weightlifting or CrossFit or, or just either, you know, general population stuff too. Um, it's work, right? It's a lot of work. And I remember, Mm -hmm. you know, sitting at my desk with my little lamp and my laptop and writing things out and you're like short on sleep and you got to wake up, like you said, early the next morning. And all of a sudden you finish this program and then you start looking back and you're like, does any of this shit make sense? Did I, did I just completely, you know, and like it is a process and it sounds like you've got a roadmap that kind of keeps you squared away. And so you have a process and you test it and continue, continually evolve. But, um, you know, with that all being said, it takes, uh, you know, I think when we're talking about the weightlifting, Olympic style weightlifting, the snatch and the clean and jerk, it is very much the the mindset needed is very much one of like, okay, you know, you're going to dig your heels in and you're going to lean into the hailstorm and you're just going to continue to put work in. And so you're the guy who is spending, you know, 12, 13 hour days working on introducing young kids to, to weightlifting, introducing, you know, general population to weightlifting and, and continuing to move, um, already passionate weightlifters forward. So what, uh, what continues, we'll wrap this up here in a little bit too. We just have a couple more, couple more questions. What continues to motivate you? What continues to like, (laughs) to, what continues to get you out of bed and keep you moving forward and and grind towards, you know, coaching two lifts in in Mm -hmm. a simple way of saying it. Um, I think just I'm competitive, you know, um, that's never left me. Um, and when I have athletes who are also competitive, it, it brings out, it just brings that out more in me. And, um, you know, um, it's obviously, you know, about, I, I love helping people make them feel stronger, um, um, actually get stronger, um, healthy lifestyle, all that stuff. Um, but I, I think I, I would be a liar if I didn't say like, I am just competitive. Like I want my lifters to beat your lifters. Yeah. And that's, you know, and, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, because this is, you know, we spend most of our time in a gym. Yes, this is about health and wellness. Um, you know, and I, I truly do mean that health and wellness first and foremost. Um, but then sometimes I feel like we lose track sometimes like, Hey, like this is a sport, you know, we are going to be here in a few months. We're going to be heading out to Detroit for the national championships on stage. And there are going to be coaches who are going to be trying to have their athletes beat you. They're going to be trying to kill your rest periods by managing the clock. Like we are going to be in it. Like, so you got to start getting your head right. I'm working with a particular athlete right now, um, a youth athlete, and we're doing a lot of mental preparation like that. We're like, because she enjoys, she has so much fun during training 
that then when it comes competition time, she's so jarred because she's not used to that pressure because most times she's just having so much fun. So uh, we've been going through like mental exercises of how to create that pressure um, mm-hmm. in training and get her used to that. And I'm kind of going off the rails here. Well, but, I'm curious uh, about that. Actually, I want to hear more about that. Do you do like yeah. visualization? Like how do you train yeah. that? You know, like you know, play little play mental games with yourself. Like, okay, you know, um, you're about to hit a 90% snatch in training. Okay. I want you to imagine you just missed your first two snatches on a competition platform. You may, if you don't make this lift, you're done. Like your meat's over, like make this lift, you know, do everything you would do to make this lift. And so that's something I've been saying to her, you know, like, I know she's got, I know what her program is. I know what she's got coming up. I'm like, all right. Um, or else, because she has goals of winning the national championship. I'm like, okay, this is the national championships. You make this lift, you go home with a medal. Okay, you miss this lift, you go home with nothing. Make this lift. Mm. Just stuff like that, you know. And um, um, get used to people watching. You know, like we, I think we've all met that athlete who gets really timid when people watch him. Yeah. And so I'm like, you gotta, you gotta get over that. Like, what do you think is gonna happen in a meet? Everyone's watching you. You're the only person anyone's looking at. Get used mm-hmm. to that. I also try to little uh, little things like they always have to have their platform and their bar oh, yeah. all the time. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. get that out of your head. You're not going to have you can't bl- you can't bring this platform with you to nationals. Yeah. You know, like stop doing that. Like grab it. Doesn't matter where you are, what bar you're using. Make your lifts. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as some athletes get freaked out when you put the the big red weights on and so oh, instead yeah. of do, you know doing that they'll put a little yellow and a little you know they'll put a 15 mm-hmm. kilo plate on and a green 10 kilo plate on it's the same weight but they're just you know it, to me it's it's a mental weakness like it's the same weight but just because of the color and size of that weight you're letting it freak you out so i try to beat things like that out of them as well um, yeah, awesome. that, that so, stuff happens all the time, all the time yeah. for sure. Yeah, like, I felt um, some of that too. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember too. You know, th- and and I've kind of so this is my analogy and my comparison to that in a way. So I I played basketball in high school, right? And so yeah, you know, basketball coaches are always trying to get you to be, be- to be better at shooting free throws, right? Like you hate mm-hmm. missing free throws, you hate missing free throws, and instead of like here's a basketball, go shoot free throws for ten minutes. It was here's a basketball. If you make five in a row, you get to go home. Right. And that, yeah. that's kind of the analogy is like, mm-hmm. and I've even done that with some of my uh, weightlifters that I've coached before too, is, you know, Hey, we're going to load the bar up. we got to hit three singles at 85%. That's all you got to do today. And if you make, if you make them three in a row, you got to go home. And we did it for like every Friday for a month. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, you're probably familiar with this too, is, um, uh, what do they call it? Like a minimum, um, I can't think of the terminology for it. Uh, Anyway, it's your, come to me. I know what you're saying. It's, um, yeah. What's like, I talk to you. no matter what you got five hours of sleep, three hours of sleep. This is the way you can always hit. Is that where you're going? Instead of like a one rep max. Yeah, exactly. It's like we, your we minimum that you can uh, do for the day. Uh, no, nah. I'll text you later. Coop. I'll come I'll be like, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, but yeah, so that's kind of that. But I think too, man, it's, it's cool to see, uh, I think Cody and I are, are, are energized by, what we offer and kind of what we're offering 
through uh, practical wellness. And I think if it, we just, and you seem to be the same, right? It's sharing your passion for something, right? Whether it's mm-hmm. like showing your, your cousin who's never watched Star Wars before, like, hey, you're going to love it. Star Wars is yeah. awesome. No matter what yeah. it is, like if you're sharing, that's, that's always rewarding and that's kind of fun in a way too. Right. And mm-hmm. so, you know, um, I think, uh, I think, I think this is great. We probably could talk to you for another hour. I love weightlifting. Cody loves weightlifting. It's obvious mm-hmm. that you love it. Um, you mentioned earlier, you, you shared a video, I think you said on Instagram, do you want to plug your Instagram where you talked a little bit about that, um, velocity based training or, or whatever else is going on? Yeah. I've, um, I'm not much of a, like a hype guy. And so when it comes to like making videos, I'm like, okay, I want to do something to kind of market the program a little bit, but I can't, I I can't do it. Like a lot of the fitness industry does, you know, Um, on the record, I think most good coaches aren't right <laughs> aren't like yeah yeah don't so, don't scroll through our instagram because you're not yeah, getting anything yeah. <laughs> so i um just uh, i've started want- making videos i've taught myself iMovies um where i'm like you know what? i'm just going to talk about shit i find interesting so yeah. um first one i did was um so by the way the instagram handles coop um or at coop underscore pursuit dot weightlifting um, but yeah, I, um, first video I made was just about how I track data. So I have, you know, screen share of like an example of my programs and, you know, like how I track their volume and intensity and how I allocate it to different categories. Um, then I did one about, uh, velocity based training, um, recently. And, but then most of, most of my Instagram is me sharing videos of my athletes and myself, uh, lifting so it's most of that mostly that yeah. but um i'm trying to do more content where because i love talking about this stuff i've just uh with the you know teaching myself how to use technology more has been interesting but do you have like an email or anything i i, I know so yeah. maybe a little reach in fort collins just through ted um if anybody had mm-hmm. any questions or maybe if someone wants to do you do like uh, remote stuff or anything like that zoom sessions I do. Um, yeah, especially with the way I do things through the, uh, the Google docs, um, makes, I feel like my, uh, online remote coaching ability, very good. Um, I do with any remote athlete, um, you know, like a remote virtual video analysis, like once a week, I'm like, you know, like, Hey, um, you know, send me, I want to see this lift. Like, okay, you got a single here at 90% on Wednesday. Okay. I want to see that, like send that to me. Um, and then, uh, using the coach's eye app, do a nice thorough breakdown with my voiceover and drawing stuff on there and everything. Um, but yeah, so my email is Matt at pursuit.fit. Um, and when it comes to the gym, like for anyone that is in Northern Colorado area, uh, pursuit has, a little bit of everything and not just uh, weightlifting. So we have, and you know, I'll say, I think one of the, if not the best weightlifting facilities in the state, um, we've really done a nice job with our training area. But aside from that, we have uh, a powerlifting program with two great coaches, uh, Joe and Brandon, great dudes. Um, we have like our uh, general pop classes, um, you know, for people that aren't interested in really, you know, just 
interested in fitness and being in good shape. Um, we have a bodybuilding, like competitive figure bodybuilding program with a coach who runs it. Um, we have strongman training, um, Very you cool. know, and I mean, we just got a little bit of everything. It is just an awesome facility. So if anyone is interested in weightlifting, for sure, come talk to me. But if, and if you want to get into the sport of compet of strength sports, um, I think Pursuit's definitely the place to be. It's the mecca. Daily yeah. minimums. Daily minimums. It's a Greg Everett program. So oh. it just came to me, right? So it's uh, <laughs> yeah. instead of it's for, it's focused mostly on the baseline, right? So what you can hit seven days a week, right? Okay. Every single day you can walk into the gym and you can hit this number. And so instead of working off of one rep maxes, which are tested and peaked for, and you know, so that's mm -hmm. kind of anyway. If you haven't okay. looked into it, I really, I really dug that. Yeah, that worked really well for me I'm when a, it came. Oh man, huge! I'm a huge fan of uh, Greg Everett. Yeah, yeah, well, that's cool. Uh, and real quick, anyone out there mm -hmm. wanting to go to a good weightlifting seminar, I went to his in Utah last year. Best weightlifting seminar I went to. That's awesome. Not only really? was it super thorough and effective, but the dude is freaking hilarious. And just super <laughs> I've heard good things. In interesting, learned a lot, entertaining. I cannot recommend his seminar. Have you ever watched more. his uh, Q&As on Instagram? Yeah. Those are solid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, cool. Uh, Coop, thanks so much for, for jumping on with us. This is great. Yeah. Again, like I said, I, I, Cody and I are, uh, are, are weightlifting fans. So we could have talked, I think, for a long time about this. We'll probably actually try to have you on again because I feel like we just scratched the surface on a few things. But thanks again yeah. for coming on. Yeah, my, my pleasure. And I'd love to come on again because, yeah, there's definitely things like, oh, man, I wish I had talked about this. Or I just know, said yeah, this. Trust yeah. Me. Cooldown question segment coming at you in just a bit. But if you guys haven't yet, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It helps us out a lot. Also, check out our website, practicalwellnesscoach.com, to stay up to date on everything we have going on. Okay, cooldown question time. Today's question comes from Mike, and Mike says he spent the last month or so rehabbing tennis elbow. He's realized that he has a fair baseline knowledge of, of learning how to lift, but he's never really learned how to stretch. And, you know, specifically when it comes to what exercises to do for how long and the frequency of those exercises. And he, he understands that this question probably depends on many things like age and, and how you're lifting and, and many more things too. But, but his question is, generally speaking, how much should someone stretch prior to or post-workout? And he adds in here that he, uh, he normally has about an hour to work out in a day. So Cody, when you hear that, what's your kind of first things that jump out at you? Well, I think we want to spend most of our time placing ourselves under a stress that'll create eventual adaptation, right? So getting the minimum in that you need as a human, as an individual specifically is what we want. Now that takes a lot of time and a lot of self-awareness, maybe some trial and error, but I think that's the idea, right? Let's talk more rock. You want to be rocking, right? You want to get to the meat of the workout relatively quickly, right? We're kind of on a time limit. I know Mike had said that he's got an hour, right? You want to make the most out of that time that you have, right? To progress towards whatever your goals may be. So that's kind of the gist of it, right? That's the short answer. And we can kind of get into the long answer too, but what are your thoughts? Yeah. You know, he, he kind of mentions a little bit about 
you know, stretching before workouts or after workouts and is, he's not maybe sure exactly where to start, but I, I think that, you know, let's just kind of break it down here real quick. Right. Mm-hmm. I think you need to be doing something before your workout. And I think it's just as valuable to do something after your workout. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I'm, when I'm thinking about a warm up, I want to do a couple of things. I want to prime my body for today's workload, whatever that yep. might include. Right. So it's specific, right? Specific yeah, to the day. Very specific. Um, if it's a high intensity workout, like, I mean, you're, you're pinning your ears back, your hair's on fire and you're going to really, really push the limits of some things that you're, you know, trying to accomplish. I think it's a, it's a, it's a pretty dialed in and calculated warm up, right? Um, if it's maybe a little bit more aerobic based workout, high intensity or sorry, low intensity, low impact, I don't think it needs to be super, super intense in a warm up. I'd maybe try to set aside more time than for a cool down at the end to add some, um, you know, non-dynamic stretches, you know, maybe some, some static stretches where you really dig into a position for multiple minutes, one to two minutes, you know? Um, but you know, whenever I warm up, I think the most undervalued and underutilized thing of a warm up is, is just kind of increasing your body's core temperature, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, a lot of us are working out from home, maybe working out in a cold garage. If you live in the Midwest, like Cody and I do. And, uh, I think it's just undervalued the the importance of just warming your body up, right? Oh, weird! It's called a warm up, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Right. And right, right. and uh, so so keep that in mind. Like, try to make yourself sweat. I think I think if you can get your your muscles warm, your body warm, they're going to be a little bit more elastic. They're going to resist and fight off you know potential injuries a little bit better, and then. And then, you know, if you have time left over at the end and you don't have to jump back into real world stuff, let's throw in some, some static stretches, uh, for elbow specifically, uh, you know, there's, it's, it's really, it's really hard to kind of dial in and jump right into exactly maybe what you should be doing without, you know, maybe knowing the extent of the injury, but yeah, it's uh, a tougher question. Cause we don't know, you know, specifically in this situation, how this person moves and the volume they were doing and, you know, and that's part of it. It sounds, it's basically a tendonitis, right? Which is usually perpetuated by maybe too much volume or maybe inefficient movement or a mixture of both. Right. And those take a long time to kind of get back to feeling normal, right? Six, eight weeks. It's a bit of a process. Um, what I would, this is what I do anymore. Maybe we should go to that. Right. Because yeah. I've had tendonitis in the past in my elbows specifically. It's basically probably what Mike's experienced in a lot of ways. And what I've found to be useful is, like you're saying, let's warm up the body. I think that's just for everybody, regardless. And then warm up with the movements that you're going to be doing. So here's an example, right? If I'm doing um, an overhead press-based workout, right? We'll say I'm going to do some strict presses, strict overhead presses. I'm going to do some single arm work as part of my warm up. I'm going to grab some light dumbbells, maybe a light kettlebell, and I'm going to press overhead. I'm going to work that range of motion. I'm going to go slow. So particularly the eccentric or the down portion of the lift, I'm going to really take my time and emphasize that range of motion to warm up my elbows, to warm up my shoulders, to prepare them for heavier loads and more dynamic movement. Now that's just, again, a base. It might need to be diversified a little bit, you might have some range of motion limitations that you might have to open up and work on before you even get to that phase. 
right? And that's going to be very individualized. And that goes back to knowing yourself and what you need, which is a bit of a process. Like if I know I'm missing some specific range of motion in my shoulder, I can work on that. And that is individual to me, right? So if I have, I'm a missing shoulder flexion, we'll say, right? Which is basically bringing that arm up in line with your ear. I can maybe do some passive hangs. I know that's useful for me to decompress the spine and open everything up. And then I would maybe do some of those single arm movements to warm up the joints and things like that. Yeah. And I think um, something Mike or whoever else is listening to this, you can utilize is, um, you know, a while back on the uh, Practical Wellness Coach Instagram page at Practical Wellness Coach, we had a, a little bit of a warm up series that you can look into. I think, you know, we included the workouts that we were doing with those warmups. You can kind of piece some things together. I think the videos were time-lapsed, um, but you can maybe catch the gist of it. And if you have questions, just send us a, send us a message in there. We'll be happy to help you out. Um, if you know you have a workout tomorrow and you're not really, ex, you know, sure what to do for a warm-up, send us a message. We'll, we'll give you a little bit of guidance. Also, um, I think on our YouTube page, Cody, we have a dynamic warm-up kind of video series that um, potentially maybe we could link in this this episode too and this is kind of a check-in like I think I think you still do it quite a bit I try to do it every day Cody with these dynamic range of motion warm-ups it's just kind of a check-in you know it runs you through some it takes what two minutes and you do some just some movement patterns very simple movement patterns that you can just stand up and do you don't have to warm up for and if something feels weird if something feels off if something feels tight you get that immediate feedback. Hey, I'm going to take the next 30 seconds, 90 seconds, whatever it is to address whatever the issue might be. Yeah. And basically it's a diagnostic tool, right? For how you're feeling that day. So I'm going through my joint prep, maybe my dynamic warm up if I'm doing that. And I'm just listening to my body. Where are my kind of hang up spots? Are my hips a little tight today? Right. Am I having a little trouble doing some of these hurdle steps as an example, or even something simple like some over-unders with the arms, right? You know, the classic Michael Phelps, you know, back and forth. Yeah. Are my, is my chest, my pec really sore or tight? You can figure that out and you can identify that. And then after that sequence, you can, okay, say, I need to do this. This is what I need to do to open that up because it's going to inhibit me later on in this workout. Yeah, and I'll add also too, if you, if you know you have a, a very like chronic issue or something that's going on and has been going on for a long time, it might be something that needs to be addressed a little bit more frequently than just right before, or right after your workout. In fact, like, I mean, it's, it, it needs to probably become a little bit of a priority where before you go to bed, you just even just throw in a couple stretches or in the morning, if you have time, you throw in a couple stretches. When you get home from work, if you're watching TV, set a timer on your, your cell phone, set it on the ground, whatever you need to do. If, if you, if anybody has questions on certain things, you know, we can, we can do our best to help you out with that. Um, but, uh, I think, uh, I think just adding that in, it all adds up. You know, I used to joke, we had a member at the the gym that I owned before and, uh, <laughs> he was, uh, he was a decent mover, you know, he moved pretty well, but he, he, uh, he always showed up late to our five fifteen AM class. Right. And he oh, showed no. up yeah. you know, five that. minutes late and, person. <laughs> every gym has that person. So I'm not just yeah. picking on this dude, but, but I used to joke because it was five minutes late, four to five days a week, all, you know, all year, years, multiple years long. Right. And I was like, man, he's probably missed out on days, hours of like mm -hmm. stretching and warm up that we could have maybe helped and, and caused some, um, some, some change. big, some change and some big impact. So 
it all adds up, you know, it just all adds up. If you can find five minutes before you go to bed mm-hmm. at the end of the week, you know, think about how much time in a, in a good position and an improvement position that we can find. Yeah. And it's just, and it goes to, you know, if you want to change something, you have to spend time with that and, and range of motion is no different if that's your limitation. Right. So for me, right, my hips get super tight. I need to spend time in those shapes that are challenging that the more, the better, essentially you could overdo it. Absolutely. But you know, and you're saying, Hey, before bed, my girlfriend and I, we do that. We, every night before bed, we stretch five, 10 minutes, just kind of work on the things we need to work on kind of as we're winding down, maybe watching a little TV and it just becomes a habit. Now I do want to say for those that are listening, not everyone needs to do some of this stuff. Some people have more than adequate range of motion where maybe their time and their warm up is better spent on stability work, right? Figuring out where is the appropriate end range for me. I have clients that, hey, you're going past neutral, right? I worked with someone today that has some hyperextension in their elbows. And hey, Mike, maybe this was an issue, right? So something to think about too, right? Where, hey, you're, you're going past neutral where it's a detriment now to your joint. So that's something to consider too. So again, this goes back to knowing yourself. There's no blanket statement here. And it's a process and a journey. Figure out what works for you and what doesn't. And then like I said at the very beginning, Ted, you know, be actionable. Let's talk more rock. So get through that warm up and get to what you want to be working on as soon as you can. Yeah, I think that there's some great stuff in there, you know, just to kind of review, you know, we talked about just just prioritizing, you know, if you only got an hour, it needs to be focus in an hour and I'm as guilty as anybody like when you're in there boom set the phone off set the phone away put it across the room put it in a different room commit yourself to what you're focusing on increase that increase that core temperature maybe do that dynamic range of motion check our YouTube page out for that but if you have any more questions you can shoot us a message uh, at info at practicalwellnesscoach.com but that'll do it for today's episode of Practical Wellness Radio Please rate, review, subscribe, and we'll catch you next time. Have a good one.